Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I am so fired up that this next gentleman is going to join the show because when I think of great historians of the Jordan Bulls and when I think of People intertwined with all of the stories of the Jordan Bulls. This is one of the first guys that comes to mind. He is a terrific writer for so many years with the Chicago Tribune. Now with Bulls.com. He's got so many great books out. The Jordan Rules, The Second Coming. There is no next. And he's been you know, a TV star in many ways in, in checking him out on The Last Dance. Let's welcome in the great Sam Smith who's nice enough to give us a couple minutes. Sam, it's John Jastrzemski. I appreciate the time. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for those nice words. But, uh, you know, they, I don't, it's not good having me on TV too long. I, and I'm better, you know, better uh, looking on radio. I don't know about that, Sam. I think you're looking quite spiffy on TV. Don't be selling <laughs> yourself short. I think shirt. It's kind of distracted from things, I guess. There you go. Hey, you ain't kidding. TV, I wouldn't have worn the pink shirt, I don't think. If only we would have known, right? Like the, the classic what-ifs. I mean, I could de- go down this road like for 50 zillion scenarios in my life. But in all seriousness, you think about what's going on now in society. And for us as sports fans to relive – you know, some of these great Jordan moments. And as a guy, Sam, who grew up a New York Knicks fan in the 1990s, I'm not looking forward to the Charles Smith Memorial. I'm not looking forward to the double nickel when Jordan came back wearing 45. But in all seriousness, it's been really great therapy, and it's been a great distraction for so many people who are looking for it at this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, difficult for the Knicks, obviously. But those are, you know, amazing series. I mean, the Knicks fell on the other side of so many, even 92 that seven-game series, probably as close as the Bulls came, other than the Pacers in 98, you know, to lose in a series, playoff series during that time. And so you can imagine Pat Riley with the only ifs as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the timing, of course, is remarkable, you know, given the circumstances. Unfortunately, you know, we don't, you know with the health crisis going on and, you know, no live sports. And, you know, so – as a result, we've ended up talking about this all the way through the week as well. And it's sort of interesting the way they've done it. You know, so much TV in this era is uh, streaming and, 
you just watch multiple episodes in a row, and this is kind of like it was 30 years ago. You got to wait each week for the next episode, and you know we're not, you know, so always not used to that. But it's actually surprised me a little bit um, how, how much even people in Chicago. And I think part of that function of that is when you're winning and the team's successful, you don't want to he- you don't so much want to hear about the other stuff, you know, the in- internal fighting or whatever was going on with Jerry Krause or Dennis Rodman. And so I think it's opening up a lot of people's eyes to the, sort of the breadth of the story that, you know, we who are here knew. Um, but people, you sort of say, don't bother us with the details, you know, just tell us who won. Sam, being around the Bulls, starting with the beginning of Michael Jordan's career, and obviously he had great success in North Carolina, and he was a highly touted prospect. When was the moment for you in covering those Bulls teams where you're like, holy smokes, this guy's got a chance to be one of the best to ever do it? Like, what game kind of, like, stands out? That was, like, the turning point for you in, like, looking at this player in, like, a totally different light. Well, uh, uh, the first day of practice in uh, an old uh, Catholic school gym with a concrete floor they used to use, um, uh, Kevin uh, Rob Thorne, the GM who drafted him, wasn't there. And Michael dominated the practice. And Bill Blair, who was Bull's assistant then, back in the era when there was one coach and one assistant, called Rod and said, you haven't, uh, for a change, you haven't blown this draft. And then on day two, Kevin came back to the Bulls' offices earlier, and Rod was just about to go over to practice. And he said, what are you doing here this practice? And Kevin said, I had to call it off. And remember, the Bulls had, in that era had, had, had been pretty bad, so they had a team full of high, what we, we call lottery picks then. There was no lottery yet until 85. Um, but Orlando Woolridge players who you know had decent careers and were certainly big-time college players, all top five, top ten picks, some veterans. And so Kevin said, well, I had a call off practice early. Why'd you do that? He said, well, you know, on defense, uh, he, he stole the ball every time. And on offense, he went down and dunked everybody. Uh, on, on everybody every time and everybody got so discouraged i had to call off practice because they were so depressed and so we were see, we were seeing and hearing things like this guy just walked into the nba and wow uh i remember when this the scout mike tebow who was now the wit the uh wnba washington champion coach was a bull scout back then and uh after the draft he said you know this is a guy who probably is going to be a perennial all-star and, you know, that, that was pretty much assured like a, two, a week or two into the season when he hit a game winner in Milwaukee, had, four, I think, 49 points against Portland. It, it, was, it was extraordinary to see you know, him burst on the scene uh, and, and do what he was doing against he, he, players in, in what many still consider the greatest year in the NBA in the mid-'80s with Bird, Bird and Magic and, you know, great teams with Dominique in Atlanta uh, Doc in Philadelphia, uh, Pistons building. There was so much depth and so much strength in the league back then. And you know, this kid comes in is just dominating people. It's amazing. I'm glad you brought up the Pistons because if you go back to last Sunday, that was the primary focus of the Bulls trying to get over the hump. They make the coaching change. They say goodbye to Doug Collins. 
They bring in Phil Jackson. They lose another tough series in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you see them all in the gym, Sam, trying to get built, trying to put on that muscle to withstand what Detroit was going to do. You were a part of so many of those celebrations after championships, after getting to an NBA Finals. Would you say the emotion in the room was at its highest point when they finally were able to get past Isaiah and Dumars and Chuck Daly and those teams that were like a thorn in their side for so many years? Well, yeah, they showed that great celebration on the plane, you know, coming back. Unfortunately, you know, Jerry Krause dancing probably uh, didn't highlight it and, you know, focused a little bit on you know, some of the issues Jerry had with the players over the years. But, yeah, you heard Ian Michael, you know, in one of those segments say, and, and it was true, uh, that winning, beating the Pistons really meant more than, than winning a championship. It's great the winning championship sort of, you know, icing on the cake kind of thing because, you know, even that season, I remember that season very vividly. Actually, you know, I sort of stumbled into it. That was the season I picked, you know, arbitrarily to say, well, I'm going to write a diary uh, according to Jordan rules and it happens to be that season. So, you know, luck is a lot better than uh, skill in, in a lot of cases. Um, but I remember early that season, you know, they had been knocked out of the playoffs by the Pistons, like, you know, three straight years. And, you know, Pippen had the migraine headache. And the year before, he'd gotten a concussion in game, uh, uh, the first minute of game six. And they got blown out in that one in Chicago. And so now we go into Detroit right before Christmas. And the, and, and the Bills have yet to win in Auburn Hills. And they just get blown out, lose by 20 something. And, Phil, after the game, is the first time I'd ever heard him say that. He's saying, well, maybe this team can't do it. You know, maybe we have to make some changes. You know, Michael's furious. You know, you got to have Buck Williams. He wants Walter Davis. You know, he he wants more players. And and that's, you know, two months into that season. You know, so they're thinking. And then Isaiah gets hurt. It wasn't mentioned, you know, much. But Isaiah broke his wrist, I think it was, and missed like three months of that season. So then they went into – Auburn Hills and won right before the All-Star break, but Isaiah wasn't playing. So it was still pretty uncertain for them. And so they're talking that season, you know, can we get by Detroit? And then that, that's really all it was. And, you know, back then in the NBA, the notion was you had to get to the finals and fail to learn what it was about and then, then to win. Like, you know, Bird with, when he came with Magic and then, you know, the Pistons with versus the Celtics. And, and so now it was Portland's turn. They had lost to Detroit in the finals, and now Portland started that season 19-1. and It was just running away with everything. They were so far ahead of the rest of the league. Um, the Bulls, you know, were to themselves were saying, well, you know, this is Portland's turn, and, you know, we, we just got to concentrate on getting past Detroit. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was really – I'm sure all those players would agree on that same thing. That was the most satisfying series probably they ever played. We got the great Sam Smith, Bulls.com, a great historian of those Jordan Bulls teams. And, Sam, obviously the rivalry between the Knicks and the Bulls for me as a New York guy hits home, and they had some classic battles over the years. And, you know, a lot of people in New York, and I might agree with them, look at the 92-93 Knicks team. That was the number one seed. Even though they didn't go to seven games, but I looked at that as the team that had the best shot at taking down Michael. They get the 2 nothing advantage. The stories are everywhere about Jordan going down to Atlantic City. And being around that, I feel in many ways it inspired Michael to another level because all of this criticism was out there. He's, you know, checked out. He's not all in. 
And, and when that started to add up, I mean, you're only poking the bear and you're making matters that much worse. Did you look at 92-93 with the Knicks as a team that was the number one seed, a team that had this unbelievable run, winning games at Madison Square Garden, as a team that was going to take down Chicago that season, or did you never buy it? No, no, I thought it was possible. It wasn't a great team by any any standards. It was, a, you know, a tough team. It was sort of Pistons light. You know, it was a dirty team, um, very physical team, and what was what was ever really more present was Michael was really worn out that season. Like you said, they didn't get home court advantage. The Knicks had a slightly better record, and came down to the last game of the season. I remember. Um, uh, I was actually in the locker room with the Knicks. I had gone to the, you know, to the to to them to see, and I remember the Knicks finished their game early and stayed in the locker room, listening to the Bulls finish on uh, on on radio to see if you know they'd got the number one seed, and um, you know so they they were in position. But and I think that's what led to the Michael, although they call it the last dance, and you know he was denied from playing again. That really wasn't. I don't. That really, to me, wasn't the, wasn't the case. He 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 recognized the the strain of what ninety seven ninety eight was going to be, and be, remembering back to ninety two ninety three, and then um, you know the media oddly piling on. I remember that, that it was such a such an erroneous kind of story, and going down to Atlantic City between games. The New York Times was you know outraged, as I recall, and. I, I remember somebody asking me, said, you know, about it, him getting in at two. I, I said, yeah, he sounds like he's resting. He usually gets in at five. So, <laughs> but, you, you know, what? To, to the Bulls, I remember, you know, they, they ended a game two, a spectacular from New York. Starks has that big dunk on Jordan, and the Knicks are up, you know, up 2-0. And, I, and, and the Knicks go to Chicago, and I, re, I remember, and this, and this resonated with the Bulls a lot. They went in there and said, hey, you know, we just got to, you know, win one game. And, you know, it sort of was a signal to the Bulls because they never, they never approached anything like that. They never approached things like, hey, you know, even at first finals when you go to L.A., you know, hey, we can get, if we can get a game, we can get back to Chicago. They always thought about winning every game. And they really they saw the Knicks as mentally weak from that and that they saw, you know, that they were saying, well, you know, because the Knicks took a beating that first game, but in the game three got blown out, you know, and really showed very little resistance. Like, you know, we we'll, we'll just kind of win it at home. And then Jordan, I think game four had like 54 or something. Because uh, I think he was sick. He was a little sick in game three and coming out of game two. And I, and I think mentally, the, the, with Jordan too, they were just so, so much mentally a stronger team. And you know, that was the weakness, sort of Patrick, that he, you know he wasn't a great finisher. You know, didn't have, and and you know the, the pieces around them weren't finishers. They had nobody to throw the ball to. You know, Starks, Mason, Charles Smith. It, it, it didn't have that Jordan figure uh, that was going to finish the game for you. You know, Patrick. You know, needed to make a jump shot for the most part. And so, you know, I remember that vividly. Like when they when they won those one those two mid games. Now, of course, they got to block Charles Smith in the basket like four times, you know, to get at a game, you know, at game five like that. But I remember them them saying after game four, you know, we got this. You know, they they don't know how to win. And, um, you know, I thought that was an interesting element of that series. Sam, everybody has a theory for Michael Jordan's first retirement. Obviously, the passing of his father, the wear and tear of the three straight finals. 
Um, I'm curious. You're around that situation. It was one of the more stunning pieces of news you're ever going to get. To this day, and I'm sure you're going to be featured on this when we watch later on when The Last Dance discusses it and whatnot. What was your theory to why Michael walked away the first time? It was pretty simple. I mean, that, te- that season, like I said, was where he was, he, he was burned out. You've got to remember you know, not only the celebrity but all the gambling stuff. And, you know, before that, uh, there was this in the Slim Buller in 91. He went to this gambling party instead of going to White House. And, you know, the, it was not nice people. And, you know, drug dealers, bail bondsmen, somebody got murdered. I mean, unbeknownst to him, but you know, you go to a you know six-figure gambling weekend kind of thing. It's not you know, high school teachers are not showing up. So, you know, there's that. You know, some guy wrote a book, said he welched on his golf debts. You know, the media is is pounding him now, and you know, he he was angry about that because he he was so accommodating, so open, so so cooperative. Did every interview in the '80s. And he's feeling like, hey, you know, you guys turned on me like this. It's, you know, after all, you know, all I've done, not like done for you, but as cooperative as I've been, as accommodating, you know, and everyone's hammering me now. And then you got the 91 season, you know, they win the championship, 92, with, you know, all the strep, my book probably contributes to it, the Jordan rules. He's answering stuff on that. And then the Olympics. So he doesn't get the summer off, you know, so they go, you know, they go to Dream Team. And they spend the summer, you know, doing that. I mean, the games weren't hard, but, you know, he's away from everything. You know, and then you get into the next season with all this building up. And I, I remember players telling me late that season, you know, he, he's saying on the plane, you know, this is the last you're going to see me. And I'm thinking, nah, nah, you know, he's just burned out. He'll be fine after the summer. And, and you, you know, then with all that on top of that, he was very close with his father. They were like best friends. Um, and his father was James was great, you know. And Michael was having tough times. He'd get mad and stop talking to the media during those playoffs some years because of the gambling stuff. James would come around and say, "Hey, he's not mad at you guys, you know. Don't worry, <laughs> you know. He's just he's 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 pushing, wanting to push the team, you know. It's he's uh, frustrated and all like that. And you know, as close as they were, and and you know, this happens is just devastating for him. And and his father had always. I remember them talking about it in the late 80s, uh, talking to George Shin and won the Charlotte then, talking to Jerry Reinsdorf with the Bulls, you know, can Michael play the summer for a single-A team, try and see I can do. You know, James is hope for Michael as much as he appreciated, you know, obviously my, everything Michael achieved in basketball was as a baseball player when he was young. And so, you, you know, Michael got that idea of that as a way to honor his father. I mean, just think logically. What's the chance the NBA, under any circumstances, wants their greatest attraction not in the game over over gambling of all things? Uh, so, was, and I, in fact, I remember it. You know, I was at the Chicago Tribune all those years, and so we did an investigation with the, the Slim Buller and the gambling, all these issues that were raised at that time. And so we would go down and you know see this Slim Buller guy and some of the others. And every time we went to interview someone, we'd say. Well, what did the NBA investigators ask you? And they said, well, we didn't talk to anyone from the NBA. <laughs> they liked it. They liked it. no investigation at all. They didn't ask it. They didn't want to hear anything. They did not want Michael Jordan out of basketball for what he meant and, and what he was. So that's, all, that's what it was. I mean, I, I know Americans prefer conspiracies to the truth, but that's all that happened. Okay, Sam. Assuming Jordan plays 93-94, 94-95, obviously the loss of Horace Grant – Hurt him dramatically in that Orlando series. But if they had peak Michael Jordan, are we looking at the Chicago Bulls winning eight straight championships? 
No. No, I mean they they might not. The only the only one they could have probably won. You know, like I said, because Michael was so burned out, there was no way. And that, and and what part of it is the way he approaches the game. I mean, you know, you, you know, everybody talks about forty eight minutes, but he does play that way. He gets on the court and is challenging you right away and and playing at this incredible high level. And, and and I think that's why you know he I mean there was no load management with Michael and they never missed games I mean just if you look over this his history you know he went so many seasons when he came back in '95 he did not miss a single game for three and a half years you know in his mid 30s he never didn't play and he ne- he never took games at sl- half speed so there was that element that there was no way he could sustain through eight but even more than that Houston was the bad, ultimate bad matchup for them. The Rockets with Akeem and uh, Otis Thorpe up front uh, particularly, and Vernon Maxwell, who, who really, not that he stopped Jordan, but he was so erratic. You, you know, he could challenge and cursing Jordan and chasing him all over the place and yelling at him. And Jordan would get his 35, but it would, it would be an effort. Uh, Houston had a winning record against the Bulls in the Bulls those three championship years, and they were the only team that did. And so if Houston got to the finals, as they did those two years, uh, it was going to be tough for the Bulls to beat them under any circumstances. Now, once Horace Grant left, you know, you know, they, you know they were too vulnerable to, you, to Orlando, obviously. And, you know, that Orlando team really was one of the, uh, uh, you, know, uh, uh, un, you know, one of the dynasties that weren't. You know, that should have been a dynasty, which Shaq and Penny was – you know, Penny was pretty close to Jordan even in that era. Penny was – people don't realize how great Penny Hardaway was, you know, and the pieces they had with Nick Anderson and Dennis Scott. Uh, but anyway, you know, obviously changed to L.A. So, no, they could have – you know, because Horace was still there in 93, 94, they could have maybe gotten one more. Um, but Houston – you know, Houston could have beaten them. The matchups that Houston had, uh, Thorpe. Uh, gave Grant a lot of trouble because he was just as athletic and, and stronger. Akeem, you know, Cartwright, Purdue, you know, Akeem would go for 50 against them. And, you know, Vernon bothered Maxwell, you know, Vernon bothered Michael a lot. So it, it was a, it would have been a tough series for them. And then, you know, there's no way Michael's coming back at the level he did, like in 95, not as athletic, obviously, but energized and ready to go, like I say, playing every game had he strained through all those years like that. Sam, final one, and I'm loving these stories. I mean, this is my time period. This is like my coming of age watching NBA basketball, so I could sit here. I can't wait to read your books. I have one of them right now in the apartment, and during this time, it's going to be great with the show going on. Obviously, it ties in. Final one, though. In 97-98, all of the smoke around the team. You know it's Phil's last year. There's the question with Scotty and whether or not he's going to be traded and what his future is looking like. Did you know, covering the team day in and day out, this is it? Like, were you one of these guys that bought into that idea a thousand percent? Or were you in some ways maybe holding out that, oh, it's the Bulls, they'll find a way, they'll find a way to keep a, a good chunk of these guys together? Or did you know right then and there, in Utah, in Salt Lake City, this is the last time we're going to see this? Well, let me say, Phil was always, and Phil used to counsel Michael, you know, everybody, never say never in the NBA. You know, so there was always, and, and, and when Michael would retire, you know, the various times he did, he would always say, I'm 99.9% sure. You know, so nobody ever said that. But 
I believed going into the season, there were two elements that I think Michael and Phil knew uh, that this was the end, and they didn't want to play beyond that season, but what a great motivational force it would be, you know, an, an opportunity to take another crack at Krause, but also to have, you know, Phil always, you know, came up with a, a storyline for the season. There was different ones over the, all six different ones each year. And, you know, Michael always, you know, with Jeff Ann Gundy, you know, who called him a con man or whatever, Michael would manufacture all these outrages that he would fight against. And so here was this perfect one. But Phil, you know, being the uh, uh, son of uh, ministers, uh, Pentecostal ministers, and, you know, sort of viewing his team really like a congregation, he'd always said that your voice, the congregation loses your voice after seven years, and this was the year nine for him. So he, he was ready to go. He could have gotten a long-term deal to stay with the Bulls to go through some sort of rebuilding. Um, but he wasn't interested in that. He didn't want to start over again with a, with a young team after doing that. And and then beyond that, Michael Saul was going around and around. It wasn't so much that they were you're going to trade Scotty. is that Scotty was going to be a free agent. And, you know, he postponed his surgery, so he would purposely miss the first half of the season. You know, he realized that Scotty – had severed ties with the Bulls, and he sees this the summer of '97, and he also knows Dennis was just coming off a playoff where he got a he got a technical in every game, and he got fined by the league for demeaning Mormons, and, and you know, so he thinks there's no way Dennis is going to sustain through this very long. So, and you heard him in even the show when Dennis was going to Vegas, he said, you know, you're leaving me all alone. Obviously, wasn't you know Ron Harper, Tony Kukoc, Luke Bling. There were a lot of guys there, but in his mind, you know, I didn't have Scotty and Rodman. That was it. So, I th- I think Michael's view going into that season was, what a perfect way to end it. I get through one more. I've come back for three years after I said I would never play again, uh, and and this is the way to finish it. I could strain to this finish line. I don't think I could strain anymore. The terrific Sam Smith. Sam, appreciate a couple of minutes, my friend. I mean, we could go through these stories uh, for hours. So I've enjoyed watching you. I enjoy reading you. Keep up the good work, my friend. You're a lifer every which way. And when I think Chicago Bulls, what can I say? I think of you. So appreciate the time, okay? All right, thank you. Good to talk to you. They have it. That's Sam Smith of thebulls.com. And obviously all those years spending time with Michael Jordan for the Chicago Tribune. Couple of books, couple of great stories, unbelievable perspective. Disagrees with me on the idea that the Bulls would not have won eight consecutive. He thought the Eastern Rockets might have found a way to get them in either 93, 94, 94, 95. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.